We ready to go? I'm going to cut my sermon in half for us tonight. Is that okay? You guys want to stay till 730? <laughs> all right, I'll preach then. Do you all have a good 4th of July? Hey, you know what? We got to make up for last week anyway, so who cares if we're a little late, huh? Who, who was here a couple weeks ago when Pastor Luis Biazon uh, preached a message here? Was it not so amazing? You know, I, uh, I actually felt like it was a, a very prophetic night uh, for our church in a couple ways. One, it was just absolutely beautiful having a father and son up here demonstrating the kingdom of God, preaching the word, like so special. But also, you know, one thing that is real at River House and one thing that we say and we mean is that, um, where, Mark, where should I hold this guy? Is it just, should I get another one or is it fine? Okay. Um, we say at River House that we are a church led by the spirit of God, right? We say that Jesus is the leader of this church. No staff member, no pastor, no board member is the leader, but Jesus is the leader of this church. Amen. And, and one of the things that though I think the Lord does sometimes is he invites preachers and people to come into our house that are outside of our family to release a word, to inspire and to kind of correct us. Right. And I loved Pastor Luis's word because I just felt like this new hunger for the Holy Spirit. Did anyone else feel that last a couple weeks ago? Like, I just was like, I want more of you, God. Like, I want more of your fire. I want more of your purity. Holy Spirit, I need you. You know, we can grow really familiar with our family and with our experience that I think sometimes God needs to bring somebody in to just spark that fire once again. Amen. And so that's what I was feeling, what the Lord was doing. Like, let's just be a people hungry for the Spirit of God. Amen. Wasn't it so good when he started talking about, you want to know how to get thirsty? You just start running and doing things for God. That'll preach. I like that. Um, but essentially, I just, how am I going to, we're going to do it. I'm going to figure it out. I just, I feel convicted, like I want to continue the conversation on the Holy Spirit. Does that sound good? And so today we're going to have a conversation about the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives. What is the role? What is the function of the Holy Spirit in our lives? And, and before I jump into it, we're, we're going to probably, there will be more scripture read in my sermon today than me even talking, which I think is always a great plan. Um, and, but before we dive into the scripture and see what Jesus has to say about the Holy Spirit and the role that he plays in our lives, um, I, I, really, I want to pray. I want to pray that we would have an openness uh, to this message. Because the truth is, it breaks my heart, but there is probably no more conversation that has created more division in the church than the role of the Holy Spirit in the church. Um, and it's very sad, you know. You can go to every church in America, and every church in America would not disagree that love is at the center of Christianity, right? But you could walk into five different churches in America, and they, you could have five different answers on what the role of the Holy Spirit is in the church. And uh, essentially, the reason this happened, there's, there's a lot of reasons this happened. But in the early 1900s, there was what is called the Great Divorce. 
in the church, which is when the Holiness Church and the Pentecostal Church kind of separated, and why they separated was because of their differing views on the role of the Holy Spirit in the church. You have the Holiness Church that says uh, the Holy Spirit's role in the church is to sanctify us, to make us pure, to make us holy, to empower us to live a godly lifestyle, and everything about that is right. The Holy Spirit's role and job in our life is to make us holy, is to sanctify our hearts and to create purity inside of our hearts. The Pentecostal and charismatic crowd, the Assemblies of God, the Four Squares, that kind of church, the priority and the role of the Holy Spirit that they prioritize and emphasize more so is the dunamis power of God, is the spiritual gifts, the prophetic culture, the healings, the miracles, the signs and wonders. That's what the charismatic and Pentecostal churches go after, and and a lot of what they believe is right. Like, the Holy Spirit is given to us to see those miraculous signs and wonders. And, and, but here's the truth, right? What, why there was this divorce was because they grew comfortable to watch the, with the manifestation of the Spirit that they were experiencing. And because they grew comfortable with this certain type of manifestation of the Holy Spirit, they just prioritized it because that's what made them feel comfortable. Yet they're ignoring a lot of the word of God. And so we at Riverhouse, we are a charismatic church and we are a holiness church. That is what we are. We believe that the Spirit of God has come to purify us and make us holy, set us apart, and fill us with the Spirit to see signs, wonders, miracles, and power here on this earth. Amen? But I want to pray. Here's the deal, though. This is important. I want to pray for an open heart because the truth is each and every one of us has come into this church today with our own preconceived ideas of the role of the Holy Spirit in our life. And it's because there is this divide, right? I'm actually just curious. How many of you in here would say that you grew up in more of a charismatic Pentecostal church? Okay. How many of you grew up in more of a holiness type church? Right? And so we all come in with our own preconceived ideas of the role of the Holy Spirit. And I think very unintentionally we put him in boxes. Right? Very unintentionally, we put him in boxes because we will always prioritize that which we are comfortable with. Right? And I don't think this is necessarily a wrong thing, but if you're used to something you, and you're going to give priority to that because that's what's comfortable. We are, as humans, don't like pain and we don't like uncomfortability. Right, And so I just believe that God wants to shatter every box that we have around him tonight because he is an all-consuming fire, but he is a gentleman God and he will only come to the degree in which you open your heart to him. Amen? So let's pray. I think I cut that by like eight minutes. Come on. Oh, this is a good point though. (laughs) (laughs) when we value and prioritize that in which we are comfortable with it creates blind spots in our lives does that make sense 
That's all. I just thought it was a good little point. But I don't want blind spots, you know? Blind spots stinks because they're blind. Lord Jesus, we open our hearts to you. We say, Holy Spirit, you are an all-consuming fire, and we give you permission to blow up any box that we have put you in tonight. And, and God, I just even, I, I repent for the ways that I unknowingly prioritize that in which I am comfortable with. I, 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 I repent for the ways that I label you. And I say tonight, we as a church, God, we want all that you have for us. We want nothing less but all that you have. We want all of your purity. We want all of your power. We want all of you, Holy Spirit. We want all of you. And so we just say, come. Come in like a fire. Come in like a flood. We don't care what it looks like because we are so in love. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we got a lot of scripture. Amen? That's good. You know, as a preacher, you can't mess up if you're reading more scripture than you are talking. But here's the deal. Because we all come with influences in regards to the role of the Holy Spirit in our life because of the different churches we've, we've grown up in, uh, I figured we should just see what Jesus has to say about the Holy Spirit. Sounds like a great idea. Amen? So we're going to be in John chapter 14, a little bit of 15 and 16, and I'm only going to be reading the scriptures in which he's talking about the Holy Spirit. You can totally fact check me later, but if you try and follow along, you will just get lost, I promise. So you ready? John chapter 14, verse 12. This is Jesus talking to the disciples the night before he was going to be crucified. So at this point, the disciples know that Jesus is the Messiah, and they're kind of on edge because Jesus is acting a little weird. He's like washing their feet. They're like, why are you doing this? Like, he's saying, eat my body, drink my blood. They're like, what the heck? Their um, rabbi is crazy. And they're just kind of like uncomfortable with what's going on. And this is a conversation of Jesus looking at the disciples and trying to bring them comfort and also tell them like what is to come. Can you imagine, like, if you're Jesus, you're giving your final words to your best friends before you're about to die? And he says, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do. Everyone say, greater works than these. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. Everyone say helper. To be with you forever, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you yet a little while and the world will see me no more, but you will see me because I live. You also will live. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. 
Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Say, manifest myself to him. Judas said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not the world? Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. Wow. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words and the word that you hear is not mine, but the father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while I'm still with you, but the helper, everyone say helper. The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Then John 15 comes, abide in me, and I will abide in you. I tell you these things so that your joy may overflow. And then in verse 26, it says, but when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me, and you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. We're almost done. John 16. I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you, but now I am going to him who sent me, and none of you ask, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your hearts. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go away, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. I'll skip a little bit. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine, therefore I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Praise be to God. Wow, that'll preach. <laughs> I want you to put yourself in the disciples' shoes, though. So you, you've hung out with Jesus for three years. You've watched all the things that he has done. You now know him to be Messiah. And, and I find it funny, right? Jesus is, is, is giving, this is like his farewell message to the disciples, right? And, and I can just imagine him sitting here, okay, how do I bring them into the loop with what's going on, right? Like, what do I do? Um, and he goes, one thing I know they need is they need a helper. Everyone say amen, I need a helper. Do you need a helper? I need a helper. Have you guys, see, ever, have you guys seen The Chosen? It's so good. If you watch it, my favorite part about The Chosen, season finale, season two tonight, it's going to be awesome. My favorite part about The Chosen is how messy it makes the disciples look. I love that. They needed help. And so Jesus is saying, okay, guys, hey, I'm not going to be with you any longer. Don't worry. I'm sending you a helper. I'm sending you someone to help you. Oh, and hey, guess what? It's better that I leave you 
It is better that I leave you because I am sending you this helper. Can you imagine walking with Jesus, being like the disciples, walking with Jesus every single day, knowing that he's Messiah, seeing him walk on water, seeing him heal the sick, raise the dead, all these things. And Jesus looks at him, looks at the disciples and say, you are going to live in a better reality when I leave you because this Holy Spirit is going to come and make his home inside of you. The the, Jesus was the one that they have been longing for and waiting for their entire lives, right? The Messiah, the, they are, these are Jewish boys who, who were just in awe of Jesus and the Messiah says to them, I'm not gonna be with you any longer, but don't worry, it is to your advantage that I leave. Not to the world's advantage, not to your neighbor's advantage. It is to your advantage that I leave. Have you ever, I've read this a hundred times and I, it's, to, it's hard to believe that me and you live in a reality that is better than walking with Jesus on this earth side by side. That's not AJ's words. That's, the, that's what Jesus says. So, I, I, I don't know if you're anything like me, but I'm always like, you know, if I was just like Peter and, and James and John and could like actually see what he was doing, you know, maybe I would be filled more for, if I just had that one encounter where I saw his face, maybe everything would be better. But the truth is what Jesus says is the reality that we live in now is better than the days when he was walking on earth. Because the Holy Spirit has made home inside of our hearts. Because he made a way that we could be temples of the divine. No longer do you have to walk side, no longer did the disciples have to walk side by side with Jesus. But Jesus made home through the Holy Spirit inside their hearts. In that reality, Jesus is looking at us and he says the same thing to us. It's to your advantage that I'm not here any longer because I am making my home inside of you. And then Jesus continues and he talks about the role of the Holy Spirit, this helper in their lives. And he says, first and foremost, I am sending you a helper that will empower you to do even greater works than I. You hear that? Greater works than Jesus. <laughs> that should get us excited. I don't know why it's so quiet. He is sending us a helper that is going to empower us to raise the dead, heal the sick, to create heaven culture here on earth, to heal cancer, to open blind eyes, to heal deaf ears. Like he says it's better because he's gone that the Holy Spirit lives in us so that we can do greater things than Jesus did on earth. And if we aren't living in a reality that is demonstrating the greater things, then we are living in a reality that is less than what Jesus paid for. And it's time for, I am just as guilty of it. 
I am so guilty of this. Can you imagine Jesus looking at you after he walked on water and said, you're going to do greater things than me? He's not a liar. He means it. And it's time for us to believe it. I believe Jesus is sitting up in heaven longing for people to believe the words he said. And we're Christians. (laughs) It's time for us to actually be what we say we are. Christians empowered by the Holy Spirit to do greater works than Jesus. We have to... We have to believe this thing. Why are we okay with reading scriptures about repenting and and reading scriptures about, you know, all the the stuff about moral character, but as soon as Jesus says, you can do greater things than I, we, we tend to not demonstrate that and live it out. But we have to believe it. We have to fan. We have to fan the flame of faith in our hearts to believe that God has empowered us to create heaven's culture here on earth. Amen. I long to see this. I long. I long to live in a reality that is worth what Jesus paid for. You know, that's one of the greatest ways we can love him is by obeying him. By obeying him when we see a sick person laying our hands on them. And you want to know the main reason why we don't believe this or see it is because we, we're un, we feel unworthy. If you feel unworthy, how are you ever going to demonstrate God's power on this earth? And this isn't for the spiritual elite. This isn't for the pastors. This is for everyone who the Holy Spirit lives in. And so it's time for us to believe the words of Jesus. Don't let shame, guilt, and condemnation, the unworthiness that we feel, get in the way of us demonstrating his power on earth. Amen? All right. I'm flying here. He says that he will send us a helper that will convict us of sin and guide us. The Holy Spirit's job in our lives is to bring us conviction on the areas of life that we are still in sin. Because we are to be holy because he is holy. Jesus did not die on the cross just for us to be saved. He died on the cross so that we could be a temples of the Holy Spirit. And so one of the Holy Spirit's primary roles in our life is to convict us of sin so that we can become partakers of his divine nature. This is one of the primary roles of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit convicts us of sin so that he can live inside of us. He is his own maid. Does that make sense? He's cleaning up our hearts. He wants to make us pure and holy. He wants us to live a life of godliness and integrity and and impurity. That is the desire of the Holy Spirit is he wants to make you clean so that he can make home inside of you. And here's the deal. He wants to make you pure because the greatest life you could ever live is a life of holiness. 
The greatest life you could ever live is a life of purity because purity protects us and it protects others that we're in relationship with. Purity is vital in our walk in Christianity. Sometimes I think we wonder why the Holy Spirit's not moving in our life. And I think a very real question to ask ourselves is, are we creating a temple in which that he can dwell? I'm trying to cause so much, but it's, this is good. Like he loves he loves us so much that he sends his spirit to be in relationship with us, to convict us of our sin. See, we are sanctified positionally on the cross. Jesus paid so that when Jesus looks down on heaven, from heaven to us, he sees us as pure and blameless. But how many of you know, if you're anything like me, I'm not fully sanctified in reality. I still sin all the time. You sin all the time. We are sinners. Why? Because we live in the tension right now. We live in the already, not yet. So we are positionally sanctified in Jesus, but we are on this progressive journey of sanctification, which is the role of the Holy Spirit to lead us on that progressive journey. Because why? We need help. Because we still sin. And God wants to create a pure vessel in which that he can dwell. But here's, here's the problem. And I think a question that we need to ask ourselves is, do we allow the Holy Spirit to convict us? Or do we have our own preconceived ideas of what holiness looks like? and create a wall around our hearts where the Holy Spirit isn't allowed to invade and speak to what purity actually looks like. I would suggest that I think more times than not, we have come into church with our own preconceived idea of what moral living looks like. Have you ever noticed that <laughs> all people who struggle with religion and who are religious usually hang out and your group of friends that you hang out with usually have the same moral convictions as you. You have the people who are religious and judgmental all hanging out, talking about everyone and how bad they are, but it leaves no room for the Holy Spirit to speak because they all are just in agreement and familiar. And then you usually have the group of people in a church that like to flirt the boundaries of sexuality and drinking and think it's okay to get buzzed, but it's okay. All my Christian friends are doing it. And we create an environment where God can't come and speak to us. Jesus went to his hometown and couldn't do a miracle there. Because of the familiarity. Breathes contempt. And we like to think that about that in terms of power, but I would like to encourage and, and bring it up as an opportunity where I also think we can create an environment where we just have group think with each other and choose to not allow the Holy Spirit to convict us. It's okay to have four drinks. My friend Bob did it too. And so it's like if you see one Christian sinning, you're like, eh, I'm good. 
No, we, the Holy Spirit, God is the one who gets to convict us. If we surrender to him, we are surrendering our lives saying, you're the one who gets to speak. You're the one that gets to convict me. And we need to open our hearts to him and not just stay in comfortable familiarity and just say, God, I want you to convict me of where I am falling into sin. I don't, want, I don't want to feel okay just because my friend does this one thing. I mean, am I right? How, how, otherwise, this makes no sense. How come different churches have different moral standards? Because a bunch of people just get together that agree with each other. So then they don't have to listen to God. It's the same thing in our church. There's different groups. There's the groups that take it too far on weekends, and there's the group that sits there and judges. I mean, I'm just, you're the ones, you're the people that tell me everything in meetings. <laughs> Is that okay to say, Robin? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I got to get content somewhere. <laughs> oh man, that was bad. <laughs> Yeah. Second Peter 1, 3. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promise so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. The Holy Spirit infuses us with power to live a life of godliness. You don't have to do this on your own. The Holy Spirit wants to partner with you. This is why it's his loving mercy, his loving kindness that leads us to repentance. It's the voice of condemnation that we sometimes can get confused. Conviction is is, a, is saying, I, you're so good, I don't want to do that anymore. You want to know what the voice of conviction sounds like? AJ, you're too good to be acting like that. AJ, you're my son, and my son doesn't speak like that. That's the difference between conviction in condemnation. Condemnation says, you're an idiot, AJ. How dare they give you a microphone on Sundays? That's the devil. But the loving kindness of the Holy Spirit leads you to repentance. And I encourage you all as, as we leave this place, I have one more point, but as we leave this place, I honestly, I want you to think about, do I create environments where I allow the Holy Spirit to come and make decisions and, and help me make decisions. I, I repented, honestly, for two hours this week. I sat my, my wife down and I said, babe, I am, I'm sorry. I, I don't feel like I have like actively every day said, Holy Spirit, convict me. Because, you know, Christians, we love to make sins the big sins, right? 
But I, we need the Holy Spirit's convictions on the way that we look at people, the way we talk to people, the way we carry ourselves at work, the way that we treat our neighbor, the way that we drive our car. I'm not kidding. Like, if we want to look like Jesus on earth, we need to have an open heart for the Holy Spirit to fashion us into his likeness. And I think if we look in the mirror, we can honestly look at each other and say, I'm a lot different than Jesus. Right? Okay. Jesus then says, I'm sending you a helper that will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all that I have said. The Holy Spirit is the one who comes and gives us revelation. Amen? And then this is the last one that I want to talk about, and I think one of the most important ones there is. The Holy Spirit's role in bearing witness about Jesus. I think herein lies one of the primary roles of the Holy Spirit that is not talked about, that is not pursued, but the Holy Spirit's role in our lives is to bear witness to the beauty, to the nature, to the reality, to the softness, to the tender mercies, to the grace, to the love of Jesus in our lives. The Holy Spirit's role is to make real the death and resurrection of Jesus in our lives. Bearing witness to the one who changed everything. It's the Holy Spirit's role in our lives to show us his beauty, to show us his face, to show us his compassion, his care, his grace. It is, it is the Holy Spirit's job to bring that kind of revelation and here's the thing, when the Holy Spirit bears witness of Jesus in our lives, we will want nothing but to become like Jesus. Because once we encounter him and see him, all we want is to become like him. 2 Corinthians 3, 16 through 18 says, but when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is there is freedom. And we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the spirit. If you want to live a life of purity, if you want to live a life of power, turn to the Lord because where the Lord is, when you turn to the Lord, he lifts the veil, you see his face, you encounter his glory and it changes everything about you if you want to experience freedom in your life if you are done with condemnation if you are done with carrying shame and unworthiness everywhere in your life if you are done here's the secret sauce you turn to the Lord because where the spirit of the Lord is there is freedom there is freedom in his presence, and it is the Lord who is the spirit who lifts the veil to where you encounter the king of kings, and he transforms you from one degree of glory to another. If you want to stop sinning, turn. If you want to see the dunamis works of God here in this, in this valley, turn. Turn. Because when you turn, the 
spirit reveals in Jesus. He bears witness to Jesus. And you start beholding him. And when you behold him, you become like him. We need to be like Paul and pray. We need to pray that the spirit of the Lord would enlighten our eyes to see him. I think we spend a lot of time trying to, trying really hard to get pure. When all we gotta do is turn, change, repent. Repent means turn. And when you turn, what does the scripture say? The veil is removed. You see the one who is worthy. And you are now free of all guilt, shame, and condemnation. That is the secret of this life. Encountering Jesus through the Holy Spirit. I encourage you, church, this week. You know, I think we can pray to Jesus and the Father a lot. But I encourage you this week to talk to the Holy Spirit. Read this scripture over and over again. He's the one that lives inside of your heart. And turn to the Holy Spirit and ask him to bear witness to Jesus. Pray the prayer of Paul in Ephesians 1. That's your homework for today, for this week. Read Ephesians 1 every single day. Can you do that? Okay. We're done. <laughs> but here's the deal. We need, we, we, we need all of God, all the Holy Spirit. We are a church of purity and power. Okay? That's, that's what this house is. I know sometimes you may want to think we're a charismatic Pentecostal church, but we are just as much a holiness church. And, and I want us as a community, myself included, to make ourselves pure vessels so that the spirit of the Lord can blow through us so that we can create an environment of safety. You know, a lot of the reasons revivals throughout history have fallen in a huge reason the holiness church said they don't want a part of the dunamis power of God is because there were a lot of charismatic churches that didn't take purity seriously. So therefore they could do all the miracles in the world, but they hurt a bunch of people on the way doing it. That's not Jesus. Amen. There's no condemnation in the Lord Jesus, in Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So will you stand with me? I'm going to read Ephesians 1 over you. And this is our blessing for today. No ministry time because we've practically just had ministry time all service. If I can find Ephesians, here we go. All right. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed you in Christ Jesus with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose you in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be a holy and blameless before him. 
In love, he predestined you for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purposes of his will, to the praise and his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him, we have redemption through his blood and the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he has lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. So to Holy Spirit, we thank you and we say that we want all of you. And that when you say that you have sent us a helper, we say thank you because we need help. We have the humility to look at you and say, we need help, God. We need, to, we need help and stop sinning. We need help in knowing what it looks like to live a life of purity and holiness. We need help, Holy Spirit. We need your help on creating in us purity so that we could steward you well. And we also look at you, Jesus, and we say we believe your words. We believe your words that it is better that you're not here because the Holy Spirit now lives in us. And so I just ask, God, that you would fan the flame of faith in our hearts to see all the beautiful things that you want to do. And Holy Spirit, I ask that you would just continually bear witness of who Jesus is in our dreams, in our quiet times in the morning. Would you bear witness to the beauty, to the majesty, to the revelation of the cross of Jesus Christ? We love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.